Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Butt sex. Blog Talk Radio. everybody. Yes, I understand that's uh, a week and a day from now, but uh, we won't be doing a show on Thanksgiving, so <coughs> excuse me. Um, and the show before Thanksgiving, we'll be, uh, we'll, re- we'll be reviewing the new Metallica album, at least half of it. So, this is our Thanksgiving show. And again, I apologize for dying in, in the middle of this en- uh, intro. Every year since we started, uh, just about since we came up with the idea of doing this over the last couple, uh, Robert Cooper and I have nominated what we like to call our turkey. So uh, in celebration of Thanksgiving and and turkey and poultry and togetherness and wonderfulness and metal, we pick a shitty album, (laughs) okay? We go through the metal archives and we look for something that's just terrible, uh, past luminaries have included Metallica's Saint Anger, and I believe last year uh, we did it all for the Nookie. The Nookie. Uh, we did so Little Biscuits and, and boy, was why did we have fun with that one? This year, uh, I dug deep. We initially, I initially had planned to do a Poison album. I think we were going to do Look What the Cat Dragged In. Um, maybe we'll, we'll do that next year. But uh, there was talk. 
I think it was Cooper actually who may have brought this up with uh, Jesse about doing uh, Anthrax Stomp 442. And I know for me, it's, it, it, it's one of my least, I, I don't want to say it's least favorite because that might imply that there's something about it I like. This actually might be one of my most hated metal albums I've ever heard. Mostly because it was the follow-up to one of my favorite albums ever, The Sound of White Noise, the first of the John Bush Anthrax era. And so, as, as much as I love that album, and I got to see Anthrax for the first time with John Bush when that came out, and to this day, I could listen to the entire Sound of White Noise straight through, and I don't think there's a bad song on there, in my opinion. I was anticipating the follow-up to be even better. And it's kind of like asking a woman to marry you that you've been dating for a long time and you, you know, and you're living together and everything is going well. And, you know, and she's totally devoted to you and you go to propose to her and she just kicks you in the balls and walks out the door. Just no, from out of nowhere, there's no explanation, just kicking the balls, And you're wondering, how did we get here? That is probably my best assessment of Stomp 442. The album we'll be reviewing tonight. God, this piece of shit. Uh, it is the very definition of bland and samesy and awful. And uh, what better way to, <laughs> to just rake this album over the coals than for us to uh, go back and review it tonight and just tell you how bad it really was. Of course, I am not alone. I am joined by my co-host, uh, Robert Cooper, the Metal Coop. How you doing, sir? Uh, I am doing a lot better than this album is. <laughs> but, like, listening to this album, like I said, I, I'd only listened to, like, King Size and I think uh, Fueled, and that was about it. And I was like, okay, well, you know, there's some good drive to this album. <laughs> and that was, like, four or five years ago. So I was fairly uninformed. I'm not going to say uninformed, but my, my tastes weren't quite as uh, refined. So I would kind of be like, okay, well, it's anthrax. That's fine. Uh, yeah, oh boy. Uh, this album is uh, pretty bad. And uh, side note, something I'm sure Jesse will be able to uh, be able to appreciate. I don't know if he ever plays Pokemon, but uh, I have officially grinded the holy fuck out of this game. 40 hours, <laughs> three badges. <laughs> Damn. Super. How, how are you playing this, sir? Can I at least introduce uh, you, for God's sake? No. <laughs> yes, sir. Go ahead. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the host of Source Material and currently competing for the Homer Award of Shut the Fuck Up and Let Me Introduce You. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesse Starter, how you doing, sir? I display it proudly on my mantle that I do not have. Going <laughs> uh, well, gentlemen. Stomp 442. I, I, I don't know what you guys got me into here. I can't wait to hear you guys basically lacerate and obliterate this thing left and right. Uh, you guys saw what I had to do in order to, I had to work my way up to this just to figure out how fucking far this album fell from what was before. And we'll get to that. Hang on. Because as much as I, I know Robert wanted to finish his point about Pokemon and I, and I want to let him, I just need to know, am I right or am I wrong about sound of white noise? I got halfway through it today, okay? So I cannot, uh, I cannot 
give you a full assessment on the rest of those songs. It was good for what I heard. I really, really enjoyed the album that came before that. The one you were like, eh, it's all right. Um, Persistence of Time. I like that one a lot more. Um, or at least that was my favorite of what I've heard so far. So, you liked uh, it more than Among the Living? Because as I, I, I said to you on uh, Messenger today, Among the Living was kind of the, the Belladonna peak of, of, uh, of Anthrax. You know, between the, the formation of the band and the end of the Joey Belladonna era, I thought they peaked with Among the Living. Okay. I think Persistence of Time spoke a little bit more to me than well, like I said, I think it was Among the Living was the one that was catching my ear where I was like, okay, this stuff's getting pretty good. And then Persistence of Time, I seem to enjoy quite a few tracks off of that. Of course, again, I only listened to each one of those albums leading up to it, including Stomp 442, once in my entire life so far. So that stuff may change as, as I continue to grow and wean myself more into the Anthrax discography. I implore you to to listen to the entire Sound of White Noise album. Again. Oh, it'll happen. Definitely, it'll happen. And then and, again, and, and again. <laughs> All right, Cooper, Pokemon, you have 50 words. Go. Pokemon, uh, go. Oh, you. I don't even play that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the new one's coming out, like, like in two days. I'm probably not going to buy it first thing off, but... Yeah, 40 hours and three badges is extreme, but that's because I'm taking all the ones that are going to be good Pokemon and just kind of grinding them uh, to a high level, which if anybody who plays JRPGs knows, it's a good idea. There you go. Last time, I, last time I played a Pokemon game, I ended up against more or less the final boss, quote unquote, and just got my ass whipped. <laughs> uh, it was. It, it took me 45 minutes to beat that uh, beat that woman because she had a fucking OP. Fucking overpowered Pokemon that just beat my ass. But as for Anthrax, uh, Fistful of Metal, some really good songs, but overall kind of forgettable. Spreading Disease, great album. I think Among the Living is one of the best. One of the best from the 80s, if you ask me. Uh, especially I Am the Law, because that's about Judge Dredd. Oh, yeah. That was that one stuck out to me. I remember that one. I remember that track. I like that one. I love I think Persistence of Time is a good album. It's got a lot of good elements, but some of the songwriting I feel kind of falls flat. Uh, I like Sound of White Noise a lot. Sound of White Noise is definitely the best of the uh, Bush era. Uh, and then uh, We've Come For You All, which is an 03, is a fairly good album. It's uh, not nearly as good as Sound of White Noise, but I feel like that's the number two of the Bush era. Stomp 442, though. <clears throat> Four four two is the number two. <laughs> like like nineteen ninety five is like a void of metal, or at least mainstream <laughs> American of mainstream American metal because there's lots of good stuff that came out in ninety five. As we as we proceed through this review, I did grab some links of some of the top metal albums in ninety five and hard rock albums also. So we can we can definitely dive into that just to kind of compare what the landscape was for metal and hard rock at that point in time. We do, and, and everyone can get to playing some music here, but I think, um, uh, Jesse, it comes to natural of you to talk about why you're listening to That's fine. I actually want to do something a little bit different. I, I did this on casual, uh, casual this on Long hey. Ruin last night. <laughs> I uh, I did a list. Oh, <laughs> hey. That. No wonder you're thinking Casual Heroes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this list is relevant. 
I think. This was actually compiled by a member of the band, uh, the drummer Charlie Benanti, whose drumming is lacking even on this album. And normally he's an amazing drummer. Mm. Um, this came out earlier this year, um, February of 2016. Uh, Nizzy.com. He ranked 10 of Anthrax's albums. Um, and even he thought Stomp 442 was one of the worst. Uh, coming, oh, in wow. dead last, <laughs> coming in dead last was uh, Fistful of Metal from 1984. And they asked him, why is this your favorite? Well, I don't think that first actually sounds like Anthrax. Death Fighter and Metal Threshing Mad. I really enjoy when they play that. I've actually heard them play it live. And then the rest of the album is like, yeah, let's not talk about it. Um, <laughs> here's what he had to say about Spot 442. It was a very weird one for the band. We'll carry over to the next album I talk about. But at this point in our career, we were on Electra Records. <laughs> this is the second album we made for them. The first was Sound of White Noise, which did really well. At the end of the cycle for Sound of White Noise, Electra Rich went through the whole It was a coup. And basically, the regime of science was put out, and they brought a bunch of new people. They did not want to inherit a lot of the Electra Act. One of those acts, but contractually they had to put this record out. So we knew that going into this record, the people that signed this record, we were no longer there. We felt like this stepchild. So we did our best to make the best record we could, but it didn't matter if it was the greatest record of all time. We just weren't going to do anything with it. So it was a very tough time for us. That, and I think that have dark views about the record. The good side is that the Dimebag Darrell on the record and really brightened it up. That's the one good thing about that record. Well, I think the one thing about that record you should remember, Charlie, is that it's also terrible. Whatever was going <laughs> on with the band at the time, <clears throat> you can't you you can't get away from the fact that just musically it it, it lacks. You know, things I said before. But let's kind of whip through this. Um, the next one is an act, and then I'm actually I don't think I've ever listened. <laughs> I think I was so upset after Song Four Four Two that I actually refused to listen to Anthrax for a while. So I wow. that when, when Volume 8, the threat is really came out, I said, I don't care. <laughs> I, just, I just don't care. Um, you got <clears throat> They shit the band. They shit the band. Yeah, I was mad at the band. So I ha- I don't think I've ever listened to Volume 8, the threat. That might be unfortunate, but I can't, I can't now. Um, but he wrote it one step above. Putting this because I do have fond memories of making records. We had, we had record company problems as well, and this is part of the alternative period. What should we do with a heavy metal band? And it just moved on from there. Um, number seven, State of Euphoria, and most seminal uh, anthrax albums. We've Come for You All, uh, again, the other really good John Bush album. Not just the sound of white noise, but still good. Um, I have fond memories of you. I think I got, I think this is when I got back into the band again. This is 2003 now. Um, Sound of White Noise comes in at number five. Again, one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, Jesse's favorite, Persistence in Time, comes in at number four. 
Number three, spreading the disease from 1985. Number two, worship music of all things. That's the one. That, I didn't think this would rank that high. Uh, this was did did you listen to worship music? Uh, I didn't review it. If I remember correctly. And number that. one. Once again, I am vindicated, gentlemen. Number one anthrax album, according to Charlie Bonanza and Mark Millich, among the 1987. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, um, if you want to pepper in as we go through this, Jay, uh, some of these other songs here uh, from 1995, let us know it wasn't a complete washout <laughs> when it comes to music. <laughs> um, that'll, that'll be fine. Can you just... Uh, I, I, and then we'll jump right into the first song here. Um, this is probably one of the gayest titles I've ever heard, quite frankly. Um, what, uh, what took you so long? Why, why, the, why have you not listened to Thrax prior to the suggestion we review this album? Oh, well, oh. again, it's one of those things where it was a matter of just finding the time to sit down and listen to them and, and give them some thought. Uh, the I think their most popular song that I know of is the one that they did with Public Enemy. At least I say it's the most popular. It's the one that that put Anthrax on the radar for me. Uh, and that was uh, man, I can't even remember. It was uh, say it again. The name of the song is Bring the Noise, and it's a Public Enemy song. So oh yes, okay. And Anthrax was back in the moment when they sang. The song originally was on um, the least not here of a black man, but takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Um, and then re recorded the song with the anthrax with Scott Ian doing like Uh-huh. Okay, so okay. yeah, that was probably the extent of my anthrax knowledge. And they had a ton, a ton of albums out that I always, you know, I just passed up. I was like, I I'm I wasn't interested. And they're the big. What's funny is is that they're counted as one of the big four, um, and that just it, we got. Let's see what are the big four. We got Megadeth, Metallica, right? Um, yeah. Is uh, Exodus the other the third? No. Help me out with the no. third. No. Motherfucker. Slayer. Yeah. And that's another yeah. band. I have, so that's another band that I know nothing about is Slayer. I can name Megadeth and Metallica songs easy and probably sing them along with you. Slayer, uh, Raining Blood, and that's about it. And then we got Anthrax and that uh, very minimalistic knowledge whatsoever for Slayer or Anthrax. So what better time to you know dip my toes? These guys have got some albums, though. I mean, what a discography. Going back to, like, what was it, 84? Yeah. 80, I mean, that's I mean that's, that's really crazy that I've never given them a chance up till now. And they've got a lot of good stuff, too. When I've, what I've listened to up till now, I know this is not a, disco- or a, uh, a retrospective or anything episode that we're, going to, we're getting into, but I've enjoyed a lot of what I listened to over the past couple of days. So, uh, a shame on me. How's that? <laughs> All right. Uh, so, two things. One, I'm going to go ahead and play the first track, Random Acts of Sensible Violence, and then um, 
the second thing I'm going to do is Jesse now has homework. I'm going to make you a playlist. Of just oh, a I can't wait. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to make you a Slayer playlist on Spotify. You need to listen, uh, make notes, and be, be prepared to talk about this on the next show before we talk about Metallica. All right, then. All right, then. <laughs> 10 or 12 of the best Slayer songs of your time with Diablo and Musica and some of the same that they've spawned over the last couple of years. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Slayer. You know, if, if I could see Slayer and Anthrax and, and Angel um, in October, I would. But, you know, it just, I have seen Slayer probably about as many times as I've seen Slayer. And at some point, you, you just gotta, you just gotta stop. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. All right. So, that said, uh, let's go ahead and be, and folks, if you're having trouble hearing me, what the issue is. Some of it is still getting over a cold from the day after election. So my throat kind of goes in and out. Uh, it might also just be the, the the mic and the computer and could be blog talk, could be Nargles. Who knows? <laughs> or not. Not lately. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Stop 442, our, our, our 2016 Turkey album. This is track one, Random Acts of Senseless Violence. Try to be fair here and not just like it's all shit. Um, it's just—it's you know, just a bland song. I mean, I, I was—I was saying this to Robert earlier. I think my one of my big problems with, this, unlike with Sound of White Noise, where music really matched the power of John Bush's vocals, I feel like they took a step back musically, where. They didn't introduce a lot of the more hard rock elements to this. They sort of went, they sort of went back to their like their more thrashier stuff, 
without the interesting guitar work and gallops and whatnot, kept the same John Bush vocaling, vocal style, and it's a mismatch. And I think this song is a good example of that, where you know they're going for something really powerful and violent sounding, and it, it just in the music and and John Bush is, I mean he has some kind of a raspy singing voice, but he's still very melodic and very powerful. And it just it doesn't mesh well. It's 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 you know it, like individually the components are fine, but put together it's just kind of eh, I this this doesn't this doesn't this isn't tasty. Not good. Coop, what do you think, man? So I was trying to confirm a theory here. Okay, so I can confirm a theory here. Um, one of my problems with this song and this album in general is that it is so toothless. Uh, there's Most of these songs have no bite. Even when they have a distorted guitar, it's so very bland. And I was when I was watching the videos, I'm like, why are there four people here? Anthrax is typically a five-piece. And now I know why, because this album, Charlie Bonante, the drummer, was the lead guitarist. <laughs> and in Volume 8, The Threat is Real, there is no... Well, Scott Ian is technically lead, but he's much more of a rhythm guitarist. So, especially with this album, this album, to me, is... Uh, I guess they kind of took their sensibilities out the window that they used to have in terms of metal or what have you. Uh I really feel like they went with a extremely uh, radio-friendly uh, sound. There's really no nothing in terms of a guitar solo. The guitar work is really basic. There's nothing really all that catchy. Even the drumming, which Charlie Benante is a wonderful drummer, it's so it's just so bland. It's one note. John Bush sounds like he's in the wrong band. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, like his voice is sometimes it is a weird fit for Anthrax and uh, certain songs, but it's it's like he's doing one thing and the band is doing something else. Like they're really trying for grunge era radio rock. Yes, yes. And he and he's trying. He's trying to keep it at least somewhat metal, even though there is some there's some real fucking uh, Eddie Vedder that I hear. Mm. <laughs> I, I hear I hear some Eddie Vedder. It is all I over this playing. album. I mean, there's there's quite a bit where you're like, you know, is this? It takes me back to the '90s. It really does. And of course, hey, it came out in '95, so I guess really it should. But the thing is, is that you know, when I sat down and started listening to this album today, I this was the first thing I started. Or excuse me, yesterday, this was the first album I started with, and it hit me as like, well, you guys are coming from a lengthy knowledge of where Anthrax was, Anthrax was uh, at the time and what came before this. Uh, so I didn't know that. Going into this album, I'm like listening to this first track, and I'm like, okay, it ain't too bad. It ain't, it ain't horrible. Uh, but then I was like, wait a second. I need to step back, and I need to go back and listen from the beginning of when they started Fistful of Metal and work my way forward. That way I have a better idea of you know what this album feels like when it first dropped and what a it's just it felt like such a difference compared to what came before 
and not in a good way. It felt like it was aping. They, they were trying to fit in somewhere. Uh, and as we go through the rest of these songs, you can see that really, that grunge influence, uh, not just in their songs, but in those videos you shared, Coop, for shit's sake. I mean, I thought I was watching, like, I didn't know, I, I, the guy had, like, what, he had some flannel on, some sunglasses, got his little soul patch, whatever. I mean, I was just like, damn, this is, you know, this is the 90s all over. And I don't know what it was like for heavy metal at the time. Coop, I know you weren't old enough. I assume that you weren't listening to this at that point in time. It was a dark place. It was a dark place. <laughs> and in 95, Mark, I'm, uh, let's see, I'm about one year from going to college and being exposed to Clutch, okay? So you want to know what my 95 was? My 95 was uh, probably Bone Thugs and Harmony, Biggie Smalls. I was really heavy into, you know, rap, East Coast, West Coast. You are so wide. (laughs) Well, that's the way it was, dude. We didn't have shit to do around here in Ohio, for fuck's sake, man. So listen, I I listened to that. You know, I, I was that was where I was. So I have no clue as to where heavy metal was when this dropped, and where Anthrax was in the pantheon of the Big Four. Uh, this had to have dropped them out of like obscurity, uh, I mean, or you know, dropped them into obscure, obscurity, I should say, because it, it sounds like people shit on this album, and rightfully so. So I'm gonna save the rest as we continue to go on. But uh, I, Coop, if I cut you off, go ahead and finish what you were saying, man. Uh, well, upon looking at this album, I was I forgot to look at the guest credits. They had a lead guitarist who was Dan Spitz, who's their original guitarist. His guitar tech, who was named Paul Crook. And what does he do in other bands? He was in Sebastian's Bach band for a while. He did MOD and he did Joey Belladonna solo stuff. Not very prolific in terms of doing much. But yeah, it's, ugh. It's, ugh. <laughs> even though Dimebag, <laughs> even though Dimebag is apparently on songs three and four, and you'd never know. Well, you know what's funny is I came across an article doing some research, trying trying to find out some stuff. Uh, supposedly, Spitz says that Dimebag ripped those uh, guitar pieces off of him, or just copies of what Spitz wrote. So that might be why you wouldn't know. So hmm. now yeah. that's that's putting a lot of credit into what Spitz is saying. And I don't know if this guy is a bullshitter or whatever, but I mean. If if that's the case, that might see that might be why it seems like he blends in so well. All right, um, I'm gonna go ahead and play <clears throat> the next track, and then I'm gonna share. I went a little overboard. 23 songs, about an hour and 40 minutes for the music on this list. <laughs> Excuse me. So let's let's go ahead and the next track. So this is one of the singles. Talking to some people earlier that are Malefist, and they're like, eh, yeah, Stomp Warfare 2 is mostly shit, but Fuel's not bad. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mm-hmm. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> anything else on this album we're fine it's not a great song but the best song I've ever heard it's it's a good song for Anthrax to play live and it might be the best song which makes there's nothing interesting about it there's nothing you know there's there's nothing about it makes me go oh wow you know yeah, this is the anthrax that I know and love. It's just fine. It's just there. It's, you know, it's parsley on the dish. Coop? Yeah, I'm I'm here. Did he say parsley on the dashboard? It's not the Jesus on the dashboard. No, I said parsley on the dish. It's just garnish. It's just there. It's offensive. Bad. It's like it makes the look at, but nothing more more to it than that. Mm. Yeah, this is getting really choppy, <laughs> by the way, Mark. It it, it, it almost sounds like a Kayentai. <laughs> okay. I'm yeah. Doing, I'm like, doing my best to talk into my ear. Using the uh, the my computer, it, I guess it's one of those nights. What's up? Um, Jesse, do you have anything to say? Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good song. I liked it. I didn't think it was horrible. I kind of agree with people that say it's decent. Um, 
you know, I, I thought it was okay. Was this one of the videos we watched, Coop? Uh, it might have been. I think it was the first one. Okay, it was the first one. And that was definitely that was definitely was out of, straight out of ninety five. Okay. Oh. Oh yeah. And the thing I chuckled about was uh John Bush wearing the flannel with the glasses. Why, can you guys tell me why Okay, this guy was on um the uh White Noise album, right? John Bush. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Why do people feel like this one is such a a bad fit for him. Is it just because of what they're playing that he doesn't fit in compared to what it was before? I can't remember too many songs off of what I listened to today. So uh, was he singing in a different style on white noise? They were playing a different style. Uh, okay. All right. Style and white noise had was felt more like a groove metal meets Pantera. This feels like hard rock at best. Uh, okay. Yeah, the, I think the thing is, is that the style they're going for is personified a lot in a more, maybe I should say smooth, more perhaps maybe melodic vocalist, except for Eddie Vedder, he doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Vedder just sounds like your drunk uncle getting up to get more turkey. turkey. <laughs> <laughs> And we the gravy man. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> the gravy man. <laughs> hand me the gravy hand me the gravy man. And actually you know what? He does have a certain melody. Uh John Bush's vocals are very pointed. I don't know if there's any real way to say it. I'm adding a uh, personification to a uh <laughs> I'm I'm trying to make it into a physical thing. His his vocals have a real kind of bite and a real jab to him in a way. Uh mm-hmm. I feel like it works really well and maybe a harder metal like a harder heavy metal album but for something that's hard rock that's supposed to be more of a uh, supposed to be more of a radio friendly album I really don't feel like they figured out how to do it well until uh, we've come for you all which some of the songs on that I'm like yeah that was for the radio but it fit this here was like John Bush uh, sat in on like they decided to do uh, almost like what got Dio kicked out of a Black Sabbath where like they'd mix the album and then like one like I think Tony Iommi would go behind him and mix it a different way. Like uh-huh. they just keep doing that. Like I feel like they sat in on the uh I feel like they decided to do one thing and then when uh John Bush left the room they must have changed <laughs> something on it. It, uh, it, just, it doesn't it, I, I can I can feel that. It doesn't flow. It doesn't. It's like I said, it's like a I don't know. It's, it's like two different bands are playing at the same time. Uh, this song here, good song, honestly. Uh, one of the few songs on this album, and I'm like, okay, I could put that on the iPod and maybe skip it only half the time. Yeah, but yeah, this this album is. Ugh. <laughs> We're saying is we don't like it. Um, if that wasn't clear. All right, what I got, Coop. Let me know if I've missed anything in Fort. Um, and these are like uh, alphabetical album. Um, all right. So in no particular order, Jihad from Christ Illusion, come from Diabolus and Musica, Disciple from God Hates Us All, Becomes the Pain of All, Payback from God Hates Us All, Hell um, Black Magic, Die by the Sword, The Antichrist, Chemical Warfare, uh, their cover of Born to be Wild, 
uh, Angel of Death, Jesus Saves, Raining Blood, War Ensemble, Dead Skin Mask, Seasons in the Abyss, Violent Scream, um, Mandatory Suicide, uh, Ditto Head, their cover of with Ice Tea, uh, Disorder, South of Heaven, and World Painted Blood. Anything I missed that you can think of? Uh, there's one that's on the tip of my tongue. Give me a second. <laughs> oh, uh, did you put God Hates Us All on there? That's Disciple. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, Disciple. Give me a second. There's a, fucking, there's a song that's on the tip of my tongue on the end of fucking... Uh, damn it! It's on the end of South of Heaven. Let me look at this here. Damn it! Why does so Thank you, sir. I'm gonna go ahead and play another song, and we'll come back to this. Okay. All right. All right. This is the track that, speaking of which, the Dimebag Daryl plays on. This is King Size. certain genres of music, I think I'm listening to this going, do you not listen to much thrash metal? And I do. I listen to tons of metal. You can play thrash and make it interesting. Interesting drum make the song and not you know, and have some stand out. I think that I might keep coming back to it. Let's assume that Fuel, uh, Fuel is the high watermark of this album, there's too much on it that sounds just like feel. Like, if I was paying attention, I would assume King Size, you know, like, I would assume King Size 
part of fuel, then it was just a very long. Yeah. So <laughs> two parter. <laughs> what is this type? long. Jesse. Uh, let me tell you one of the first off. Lyrically, this song is ahead of its time, and you want to know why, Mark? It's it's actually plugging one of my shows at the beginning of next year, which will be Old Man Logan, where the Hulk actually takes over California in the future. So just just to let you know, by the way, I don't know if you caught that, Mark, but there is, he refers to the Hulk like three or four times in this uh, in this song. I figure you'd be a big fan if apparently not. Even the Hulk can't make Mark Radlich a fan of Anthrax Stomp 442. Um, one of my favorite things, which I might actually be using here as we go forward throughout the Metal Hammer of Doom, is a, a nice little site I found called Word Count Tools, okay? And I don't know if you guys have ever used the website, but what it will allow me to do is I, I can copy and paste song lyrics into this thing and give you a, it will actually give me a readability level of like who could understand this type, these lyrics. Like, uh, for, for example, I just, I just slapped in king size here, and the readability level is a 7th to 8th grade student. That's good. That means that a 7th to 8th grade student can 299 words. Now, let me tell you why I thought of this today. Um, I, again, I was reading that same article I mentioned earlier where Spitz was talking about how uh, how um, uh, Dimebag had taken the uh, taken the the his riffs or his his uh, his guitar piece that he had wrote and just basically played it. Anyway, one of the things that he was talking about, they asked him if he had he was one of the ones that fired Belladonna, and one of the things that he mentioned was Belladonna didn't feel comfortable in the uh, he didn't feel comfortable in Anthrax because. Uh, he had to read like 7,000 words in a verse. And I was like, you know what? Looking at these lyrics, they pack in a shit ton of words in a song. Uh, so apparently Belladonna didn't feel like this was something that he could showcase his vocal, you know, his vocal range very well. When you're going like, when you're reading, I think one of these songs has seriously close to, uh, I'm pretty sure 700 words in it. And that is a lot of lyrics. Um, so anyway, word count tools will be used from here on out just to let you know. There are 15% uh, apparently of this, of this song are, are, are considered difficult words. So the other uh, 85, you should be just fine understanding what, uh, what they're trying to get across here. What do you think of that, Coop? Uh, I think that is an impressive analysis tool that you have uncovered. <laughs> and I also think that this song is about a mattress. A mattress, <laughs> king size. No, the reason I say that is for that. No, I was if you figured out the I was missing player mix. Yes, uh, well, two of them actually. A dissident aggressor, which is you know that priest cover on uh, South of Heaven, and uh, spill the blood. That was what I was thinking of. Okay, Adam. What was the Cool. It was spelled well, the other I did not hear it. Well, I, I, I said, oh. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. More analysis. More analysis, Coop. What else about the song? Okay. I'm wondering. It must be my phone at this point. Uh, Yeah. Song analysis. Uh, The reason I say it's about a mattress is because the video for this that I found, somebody cobbled it together, and it was just a bunch of compilations of things that happened to be King's Eyes. Uh, Mattresses, (laughs) candy bars. (laughs) Ah, YouTube. Sequel of which is Fun Size. That would be a fun song to write. I'm sure it's about writing a... I'm sure it's about getting a bunch of midget prostitutes and training them all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think we're in the wrong wrong band here. Uh, All right. Um, This is track four. This is Writing Shotgun.
something positive about that one. I think musically. Oh, <laughs> Beat it, lick it, choke it, suck it. What the fuck, man? This is like, oh, go ahead. What's your positive here? Positive is you trip out the vocals, you know, the lyrics and everything. I actually, musically, it, it's, it's an interesting song. You know, as compared to what else is on there, you know, they did they changed some interesting things to that one. I like the beat. And then he started singing. And as much as I like John Bush, again, this is the classic example of he, he's not anything good to this song. And yes, there's are pretty ridiculous. <laughs> I, I had to, I giggled in the middle of the song. I usually am good at staying quiet when the song's playing. But as soon as he started doing live it, be it, hold it, touch it, kick it, beat it, love it, suck it, I was like, I, I can't fucking hold back the giggles. I just can't. Because it's just, it's that fucking bad. I mean, the only thing I'm going to say about this song is lyrically, I think this is one of the worst off in this album. <laughs> yeah, shit. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is a, uh, maybe this is a song about uh, Kurt Cobain. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm beginning to wonder if, uh, if perhaps like the ball, the ball on this cover, the album cover is just like all the shit that they could think of for an album concept. That and then if you look, there's nothing. <laughs> just one big ball of shit that they discarded, yeah. and then a naked guy in his ass. So in yeah. a copy of the Wikipedia entry, um, because there were some some reviews here, which from all reviews, uh, Erlwine, who said um, a, it's a generic collection of speed metal bombast. I don't even know what called speed metal. Uh, spot on. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I consider this, I would consider this speed metal in any way, in, in my opinion. I don't know about you guys, but that doesn't feel like it to me. Um, Coop, what do you think, man? I mean, we just, we, we've we called it hard rock so far. I mean, why would this guy call this speed metal? This is about as close to speed metal as I am to being a Latin American pop superstar. <laughs> Rico Suave. Rico Suave. <laughs> That's right. Uh, nice. Very nice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, uh, I would say I'm halfway to being Selena, but that's not a good outcome. So. Paco. Perpetual
experience for this film. You know, it's like, hey, we've got some lit, you know, we've got some beats. And John, think lyrically. Um, I want to write a lot that sounds like I'm driving a car. <laughs> <laughs> Going down the road and I'm loaded, loaded. Uh, I just wrote a song. <laughs> John Bush, pay me. Loaded, wrote it, voted. All right. <laughs> and I wrote in. Oh, I was going to say, I, th- I think Limp Biscuit did a song about driving a little better. They <laughs> <laughs> did. It
Coop, I know we've talked in the past about brotacular music, you know, and hate breed being king of the bros, but I don't, you know, you know five finger death punch being tough guy music. But I, I feel like, you know, if that had its roots in anything, I feel like that's what Anthrax was going for here. It was that sort of tough guy metal, but it comes across as even douchier than the douchiest hate breed. Well, because I feel like the douchiest of hate breed, at least, is uh, it, it's trying for something and is at least self-aware of that fact. I feel like this song is like, oh, man, yeah, <laughs> which uh, it's funny because this song, all I can think of the entire time is Kim Shamrock. <laughs> <laughs> Except this was far before Ken Shamrock's WWF run. So really, they have no excuse. Quite frankly, they're just uh, really trying way too hard to make up for the fact that they're attempting to be uh, radio-friendly rock gods by throwing in a big, beefy man song in there. Yeah. All right. So the fa- so this was recorded. This hasn't been, been recorded between, like, 94 and 95. I'll take a look real quick. But, Jesse, I mean, I guess it begs the question – who the hell did they think they were competing with? You know what? Recorded at, recorded at Studio 4, Conshocken, Pennsylvania, 1995. So in 1995, they they looked around at the world um, and saw what their competition was and decided, yeah, we need to sound like tough douchebags too. So what what came out in 1995 that would have pushed them into this terrible direction? Oh, man, I don't know. Here's what we'll do. We'll look at Loudwire's best metal albums of 1995, okay? We'll start with the metal side of things, and we'll just kind of see if you can see any potential influence or maybe uh, we'll just say similarity between these bands' albums and what we've got here. Now, we're talking the top bands of 95. If they're going into 95 saying, okay, I want to be like these guys, uh, most other bands uh, you know, that are not the top four are probably going to be doing something similar. So let's just take a look here. All right? Number 10 on the list. We'll count them down 10 to 1. Number 10 album they've got listed here is Demanufactured by Fear Factory. Which was amazing. Um, Okay. All right. Now, are we? If you want to step in and say, okay, I could see the similarity. Go ahead. If you want to step in and say, there's no fucking way, then go right ahead. Um, next one is a band I've never heard of. Well, maybe I have, but I don't know if I've ever listened to anything. Land of the Free by Gamma Ray. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, yeah. Okay. Gamma Ray is like a progressive metal band. So that's what they were inspired by. I don't see the connection. Okay. Uh, this is not. Go ahead, Coop. You want you want to step in, or what are you thinking? I was going to chime in on Gamma Ray. I think Gamma Ray is a lot. If we're thinking Land of the Free, I think that's more almost speed metal influence. Give me a second here. I think so. Yeah, about a power speed metal. Oh God, why is everybody shirtless? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? What well, site did on you Gamma get Ray, On uh, Metal Archive, their band photo. Like it's not like them sitting out like Man of War style, but. Everybody's shirtless and they're old and white. Yeah, Land of the Free, I'd definitely give that kind of a power speed metal thing. Great album, though. Absolutely wonderful. Okay. Uh, next uh, next up, number eight, Down with NOLA or NOLA. Uh, I, I know this album very well. Okay. You, I'll tell you, you know the album. It's amazing. It's one of my favorites. Um, they've never been as good as their debut album. This was after the sort of a Pantera uh, blow up. Um, really, some of Phil Ensemble's best work. Nola is a fantastic album, and this is nothing like Nola. <laughs> All right, next up, number seven, Battles in the North by Immortal. Uh, I don't know a thing about these guys. Uh, obviously, it sounds sounds very uh, yeah Norwegian for sure. Oh, I love that album. Uh, number number six, Astro Creep 2000, White Zombie. Um, number five, The Angel in the Dark River by My Dying Bride. Never Ooh, heard of them. Love My Dying Bride. Pierced from Within by Suffocation. Yes. <laughs> Storm of the Lights Bane by Dissection. Oh. Huh. Oh, they have good taste. <laughs> Symbolic by Death. Bad. Duh. <laughs> and number one, uh, Slaughter of the Soul by At the Gates. By At the Gates. Yes, the seminal uh, Gothenburg melodic death metal album. Really kind of helped open the gates there, no pun intended. <laughs> so what do, we, what do you think here? Go ahead. Well, I was going to ask, what were the ten hard, hard rock albums out of that year? Oh, you want to go because, ahead and get into those? How about yeah, how about we play? An, uh, you you want to play another track and then we'll get into another in the next ten and we'll see. First off, let me ask: Does any of what we've listened to here on Stomp Four Four Two sound like anything what we listed there in the top ten? No, they ran as far away from any of that as, they, as, as fast as they could. <laughs> so this is okay. And this uh, is our top I can four. Say, I could hear a little bit of like that new metal that they were. I could hear little tinges of it. All right. In what ba- in what band are, are we talking about here on the top ten? Uh, Fear Factory. Okay. All right. No, so you're out of your number fucking 10. mind. <laughs> There's no way they sound anything like Fear Factory. Uh, I put them with new metal. Okay, but I wouldn't put what Fear Factory is not new metal. It never was or will be. Number one. Number two. This couldn't be further from. Anything Fear Factory's ever done. I, see. Like, I don't know how you're making that connection. We'll, 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 we'll I, think I, picked up in, 
I think I mixed <laughs> up industrial and new metal. Yeah, I think I mixed them up. Because honestly, I don't listen to any industrial metal, so I kind of get the two of them mixed with new metal sometimes. Okay. Um, Mark, I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and go to the next uh, the next list if you want me to, or we can play a track. What do you want to do? No, let's play nothing. Here we go. Irgendwo auf einem ruhigen Bahnhof in der Nähe von Düsseldorf eine ahnungslose Kuh leidet unter einer seltsamen Krankheit. two things about that song and then we can get back to this debate <clears throat> this debate here that we're having or this list so that was one of the singles and honestly it, it's definitely one of the better songs on here uh it also sounds like a bonus track that didn't quite make it to sound of white noise and they just kind of wrote an album around it <laughs> like yeah this extra music that we and we need to do something with that ah, fuck it we'll throw it on the next album Wait, we need more music then. Uh, here, perpetual motion. So, you know, nothing's fine. I think it's actually better than fueled. Um, it's more more of the style with John Bush that I like. But it's uh, you know it that that's the best I can say about it is it's one of the better songs in a sea of garbage. Um, all right, so go ahead and. If we're if we're done with this, if we're done calling fucking Fear Factory limping, <laughs> <laughs> I think you made him mad, Coop. Jeez. Ah, oh, all right. Well, what, what are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do? Um, at least if he starts yelling at you, I mean, obviously his mic hates him tonight, so uh, it'll be funny to hear him get pissed off and start yelling and every th- every other syllable <laughs> coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Just sitting there going, huh? <laughs> All right, all right, 1995, best hard rock albums, okay? Here we go. Now, again, start, jump in if you guys think this sounds similar to what's be, what's on this list. All right, number 10, Filter with Short Bus. All right. <laughs> Coop's going to throw up in his mouth before the end of this list is over. Actually, there's a couple bright spots on here that I really like. Um, number nine, Fugazi with Red Medicine. I don't know those guys at all. 
Um, Number eight. This is a prominent uh, band that I'm aware of. Primus, Tales from the Punch Bowl. Oh, Um, yeah. They had a a really good Rob Zombie album this year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This Uh, next album, known as Big Brown Reaver. Oh, Oh, when I was going to do Brown Reaver. Great, great stuff. Uh, number seven, one of one of my favorite albums, uh, Mad Season Above. I think I, I really like that album. Uh, now, see, that stuff right here is where I start to see similarities between Anthrax, Stomp 442, and some of the stuff that uh, Ma- Above was more laid back than obviously what we're getting here because Anthrax, I feel – I think they were aware of their reputation in 95 and felt like, Hey, we've got to put some shit out that really is, you know, it, it's fast paced up until of course we get to the last song and we'll send everybody off so they can go to fucking sleep, which we'll talk about that here. And and when we get to bear, but um, anyway, uh, number six, did you guys want to say anything about above anything like that before we move on? Number six. Um, I hated mad season when it came out. Okay. All right. Just like share. That sound, that's good. Good enough. ACDC number six with Ball Breaker in 95. Oh, my God. That had to have been one of the worst ACDC albums ever. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's largely okay. I got it from a Goodwill. <laughs> Classic. Nice. Well, Coop gets a lot of stuff from the Goodwill, so he finds some good stuff there, too. Um Classic songs such as Hard as a Rock, Cover You in Oil and Hail Caesar. Now, I know Hard as a Rock, and that's it. Cover You in Oil and Hail Caesar, I have n- n- yeah, I know nothing about that album. All right, number five. Oh, Green Day, Insomniac. Great album. Uh, yes, it is. Number four, Made My Punk List, I believe, Rancid, and Out Come the Wolves. Now, album. one of these... A lot of these vary, so we got a bunch of punk listed in here. Uh, number three, Foo Fighters with Foo Fighters, 1995. Now, this is probably the band, this number two one is probably the band that I see the most similarities with. And Coop, you mentioned to, him, uh, to us earlier uh, who you thought it sounded like, but it was a bad version of these guys. And that's Alice in Chains with Alice in Chains at number two. Um, I see a lot a lot of grunge influence on what Anthrax is doing here. That's just the me. Anthrax, I don't know. But go ahead. That was that Anthrax album. That was the follow-up, right? To um, oh god, the one with them bones on it. Oh, dirt. That was dirt. To, had like the green cover with the dog with three legs. Yep, you got it. That you got it. album really made me suicidal. It was so bad. I almost I remember thinking at the time, this has got to be some of the worst music I've ever heard. I don't think I want to live on this planet anymore. Oh my gosh, no, man. Alice this album is Alice in Chains, Alice in Chains is one of my favorite albums that they've done. Um oh, this has uh, been the metal hammer of doom. We want to thank Jeff for being a part of it. He can't come back anymore. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. Um yeah, so I see the grunge influence, and I'm surprised the 95, apparently Pearl Jam hadn't dropped anything, or at least it didn't make the top ten. Uh, number one, by the way, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness by Coop's favorite group, the Smashing Pumpkins. Actually, not a bad <laughs> album. <laughs> well, that's we got to turn, Coop. 
<laughs> I mean, actually, I don't mind uh, the Smashing Pumpkins. I mean, hey, okay. at least Billy Corgan's trying to save TNA wrestling. Oh, we're all behind you, Billy. You know, yeah, he, I'm he's starting real. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead and what you're saying. I was saying he's going to, I mean, I think he's pretty much lost the injunction. And it's really funny because Dixie Carter is about as good a businesswoman as I am a pickup artist. <laughs> so, as I look back on music from 94 and 95, I'm starting to, and I'm, and I'm remembering, um, like, how I felt a lot of music that was popular of the time and where it drove me to. Because remember, 94, I, I graduated high school in the summer of 94. And, you know, my first year of college uh, starts August of 94 and runs till the spring of 95. Um, so we're talking the end of high school, beginning of college for me, when a lot of this music is starting to hit. I want to say that, uh, you know, as much as I like that first debut album by Pearl Jam, I think it's called 10. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Vitology came out in 1994, and that was when it was just like, music sounds better when it's on the vinyl. Blah, 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 blah. So, you know, yeah. So there was like a, like a big deal about it being released. Vitology was a big deal about it being released as a vinyl when the whole world had moved to CDs by this point. And I remember thinking like Vitology, the Alice in Chains self-titled album, um, and a couple of others. Where my opinion, like, 94, 95, so fucking bad that I was like, <laughs> music sucks. These bands suck. Radio sucks. It's all terrible. I can't listen to any. This might have been what caused me to reject anything that anyone liked. <laughs> like, mm. it pushed that far away from the mainstream. Because I, I dude, Vitology actually got me in trouble once. It was, I, I hated it so much. Because um, I really liked 10, and, you know, and Versus was pretty good, too. And then it was just a steep decline with Pearl Jam after that. I think I wrote them off after Mythology because um, I hated it so much. I remember uh, working in a record store. It was my cousin's record store. And I made a joke. Like, you know, the worst thing about uh, the guy like, picked up, it was either Mythology or No Code. I don't remember which one it was. Might have actually, might, I don't think about it. It might have also been Yield. Um, it was one of those three albums. And uh, and I made a joke about yeah, that's the one bad thing about working in a record store is you got to touch the Pearl Jam stuff. And, <laughs> <laughs> I think make it's funny. <laughs> and you wouldn't believe it, I got in trouble for that. Um, apparently, <laughs> my boss didn't think that was funny. So. Oh damn. Uh, but yeah, I, I a couple of things I'm, I'm able to pull from from talking about this one. I can definitely see where the guys in Anthrax, who had you know been around since the early '80s, were like, "What do we do to stay relevant with the kids at this point?" And didn't really sort of embrace the sort of you know attitude that I think a lot of them finally got to, which is "fuck it." Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let's mm-hmm. just do what makes us happy. 
and people will follow us or they won't. But, you know, there's no point in trying to <clears throat> stay ahead of the trends or try to be the cool grandpas because it's, it doesn't work. Um, and then, yeah, also, the mid-90s may have been the worst period of music in the history of mankind. Well, I mean, we looked at those top ten metal albums, and there was, like I said, there's nothing like that on what we're hearing here. Everything seemed, at least, I mean, of of the bands that I know, it certainly was, it doesn't sound as mainstream as Anthrax does here. Um, so, I, I agree with you, Mark. I mean, 95 was pretty rough. I was... Dude, uh, I'll get into this at some point later on in the Metal Hammer of Doom. But I was a big fan of, uh, I'm a big fan of those, the grunge bands that hit in the early 90s. And when, like I said, when 95 hit, obviously I wasn't a big fan because I was trying to find, mm-hmm. you know, my, my newer album of E40 or something like that. But, um, <laughs> so, I'll sit you know, here and name them all fucking night, Coop. <laughs> We're sitting here talking about like what might have influenced Anthrax, and I don't know if 1995 is the best year in terms of what what might have their influence have been. You know, stuff that would have had to have come out and hit. So let's hear another 94. song, and I, and I just pulled up Loudwire's hard rock albums of 1994, and the Ooh. first couple of ones on here make me want to go slit my wrist. I can tell you that right <laughs> off the bat. Um, so I take music very seriously, folks. All right, this is track A. This is American Pompeii. I tried to imagine the best place I've been. Can I go back again? All right, so. Um, <laughs> so fucking stock, man. I was like, oh my gosh, I've heard this on every fucking 90s hard rock album ever. Throw a filter on a guy. To, I feel like someone, I feel like John Bush and Scott Ian walk into a bar full of black people and someone just yelled out, no one gets out of here without singing the blues. And that's their broken. <laughs> As an adventures of babysitting joke. Nice. <laughs> You're welcome. Very nice. Very uh, nice. Coop, any, Coop, anything before I read off this list? Uh, I was going to say, uh, with 95, if you look at the best of metal list, uh, most of those uh, albums were not readily available in the U.S., or at least easily findable. Uh, most of those were either underground European acts or European acts, or the, <laughs> I mean, most, almost every album there was more of a kind of a European metal thing. Now, Death, I don't know how readily available that was, but you know, for the most part, I could definitely see why metal was in such dire straits that year. Uh, Rockless. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jesse, look, while I read off this list, do me a favor, go Google when Rob Zombie said, or it was either Rob Zombie or Marilyn Manson who like, said in the news, that rock was dead because I think this is what led to it. But um, <clears throat> the 10 best hard rock albums of 1994, number 10, Vitology, Pearl Jam. Yep. That made me want to die. Um, Strangers in Fiction from Bad Religion. That one was fine. 16 Stone by Bush. I don't think at the time I fully appreciated it. Now look, going back and listening to it, it's fine. You know, if you, if you like hard rock, it's not a terrible album, and they weren't a terrible band. I just, I didn't like it at the time. Um, that's more of a personal thing. 
This one I did like. Actually, the next two I liked a lot. Uh, Live through this hole. Uh, hole was amazing, even though Courtney Love had Kurt Cobain killed. Um, <laughs> That's a staunch opinion. I've heard you voice a couple of times. I will never stop talking about it. Um, <laughs> so, the, so despite the fact that she promoted this album on uh, Kurt Cobain's um, dead corpse um, <laughs> after she <got> killed, <laughs> yeah, I'm good talent musicians and. Another really amazing album was uh, Purple from Stone Temple Pilots. I think I I remember liking that one a lot. Um, And I didn't think it could get better than the one that that, uh, preceded it. So good stuff there. Oh, God. I remember this now. And I I remember hearing it. And this this may have what led me to my, my opinion of what followed it. But in 1995, Alice and James released Jar of Flies. Oh, it's a good one. No, it was terrible. I loved it. It sucked. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, dude, if you if you have if you have the if you have the balls, go over. You can go over to my Spotify. Look at my hard rock list. Almost every Alice in Chains album is on there, right beside Clutch. You could probably even look at it. I probably put Clutch in there first. Because, you know, that's what's going to happen. But then afterwards, I'm like, who's next? Alice in Chains. All right. Um, (laughs) It's like, I'm trying not to kick you off here. (laughs) Smash the Offspring. That one was fine. I like that album. Um, Super Unknown by Soundgarden. I mean, as much as I wanted to strangle Ricky Rackman and everyone producing the Headbangers Ball at the time, because I got sick and tired of hearing Black Hole Sun. Every time I either turned on the radio or turned on MTV, uh, Superground's actually a really good album. Um, I've come to appreciate it more over the years, but even back then, I, I recognized that Soundgarden was one of the best of the bunch. Uh, the Down Spiral by Nine Inch Nails was amazing. Um, again, it, it was hard to believe it, this would get better than Nine Inch Nails would get better than Pretty Hate Machine. The Down Spiral was really, really good, and probably not. It was probably the peak of Nine Inch Nails, though I'm sure Nine Inch Nails fans would disagree. But I don't, I don't know. I don't think they've been anything as good since. And last but not least, Dookie from Green Day. So, I mean, if you're Scott Ian and you're trying to stay relevant in the music scene and you just don't know where you fit in anymore and you're looking at this list, I can honestly now understand how they came up with Psalm 442. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely a matter of them not understanding the music scene, and it's like Stomp 442 is what they think people want to hear. Yeah, there's there's something to be said about them trying to make music for the masses, but you almost want to say to yourself, you know, fuck the masses, man. You're fucking anthrax. Like, right. do your shit. <laughs> um, Coop, anything before we move on? Uh, if they're making music for somebody, obviously it was somebody that was not listening. Uh, I think the irony is if you look at the majority of the thrash bands, uh, Metallica went mainstream, Megadeth, well, Euthanasia was 94. That was a really good one, but they were starting to kind of make their way towards Metallica. Uh, 99 was closed, so fuck uh, it. was actually uh, interesting when you look at some of the other bands, uh, Slayer, 
didn't, I'm not going to say Slayer changed their sound too much, but they definitely didn't sound like 80s Slayer. Testament uh, went death metal, went to a far more death metal oriented direction. And, uh, Respect. Yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah, they're, they're, Demonic was a decent album. Uh, and then you look at the Teutonic bands, and they either horribly, horribly tried to do something mainstream, sweet Jesus, there were some bad albums there. <laughs> was it Destruction that made that album that was just like nobody wants to remember? Yeah, uh, I'll get back to y'all on that one at the next song. Holy fuck, y'all just remind me of that. <laughs> <laughs> so in defense of Anthrax and their sort of grandpa uh, impression of the world, I'm gonna I'm gonna just lay this at Metallica's. I'm I'm blaming Metallica officially. And here's why. So Metallica released a Black Album in 1991. It goes on to sell 16 million units, I'm looking at. Um, It's gone 16 times platinum. Um, I don't know what the rest of this stuff means. I'm just kind of going to read down here. Uh, Oh, and by the way, they were on Electra at the time. Um, In fact, they... Stayed on Electra for a really long time, from Master Metallica? of Puppets. Yeah, from Master of Puppets until uh, Saint Anger, and then Death Magnetic was released on Warner Brothers. Um, <clears throat> and then um, this next one coming out is on Metallica's record label. But uh, yeah, the Black Album, 16, 16 times platinum, twelve times platinum, two times platinum. Uh, and just yeah, you know, it goes on and on and on and on with the amount of uh, uh, platinum recordings, uh, pl- uh, platinum certifications rather. Uh, when you think about like the departure from Metallica, you know, from and Justice for All to the Black Album, how many fans they picked up by becoming a more mainstream sounding hard rock band and abandoning a lot of their thrash roots? just between Injustice for All and the Black Album. And, you know, to sort of paraphrase Patton Oswalt, your lizard brain must kick in after a while and go, I want to make billions of dollars on one album. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I want to tour the world, you know, for for four or five years straight and sell out stadiums. You know? So I think... I, I think with the, with the rise of the of the black album, you know, that had to have influenced a lot of fans, not just Anthrax. You know, and then they and then in 1996 they followed up with Load. They ended up playing Lollapalooza. You know, the, Metallica just had this run of <clears throat> uh, you know of hard rock influenced music that was successful. I mean, in, there was diminishing returns here. I'm just looking at you know units sold. Load sold, you know, a little over five million. Reload, a little over four million. Saint Anger, which you can hear Rob and Rob Cooper and I uh, trash on this very podcast. <laughs> um, uh, two million. The most terribly recorded fucking album I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, and then um, so it's just. I'm more forgiving now that I'm not putting this in perspective. I'm more forgiving of of this album. It doesn't make any less shitty. So with that said, I, no no better transition could I have come up with for this next track called "Drop the Ball." 
could not take another minute of that song. So <clears throat> I have a blog up here called angrymetalguy.com. <laughs> and, and he's defending Stomp 442. This is like, when was this written? Uh, this was written two years ago, almost three years ago now. Um, I'm going to read this part of it because it goes to what we were just talking about. Firstly, it's impossible to view Stomp 442 in a vacuum, and one must fully appreciate the musical environment that birthed it. After a decade plus of increasing mainstream acceptance, metal was riding high as the 90s began. It was serious radio and MTV airplay, album sales were brisk, and it was a time of wine and roses for all in the biz. Then Seattle dropped the Nirvana bomb (laughs) and the grim nuclear winter of grunge and alternative rock soon began to drive metal back into the dark underworld to lurk, foment, and mutter of conspiracies and grave (laughs) Every metal band dealt with this harsh musical dystopia in their own way. While Metallica folded up Metal Shop, adopted rock and country, and dropped a load. (laughs) And And Anthrax got righteously pissed, had an epic temper tantrum, and released Top 442. Yes, it's a reactionary record, as all metal albums were in those uncertain times. And yes, it represented a change in direction from Sound of White Noise. But it was a shift born of pragmatism and a desire to stay metal. You see, only one metal band seemed immune to the flannel clad plague. <laughs> Actually, saw their popularity increase in the 90s. That band was Pantera. And after touring with them and seeing their metal stock continue to appreciate, Anthrax either consciously or unconsciously decided to mimic their oh-so-manly moho. Even a cursory spin-up stomp shows a stark shift towards Pantera-esque ripping and their stripped-down, bare-knuckle aesthetic. Hell, they even got Dimebag Jarrett to lend solos to the damn album. You can knock them for jumping on the bandwagon, but at least the wagon they picked up had metal wheels. Yes, I'm looking at you, Dave Mustaine. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> at the same time, they didn't abandon their old sound entirely, and the album is dotted with references back to the sound of white noise and persistence of time. <sighs> you know, he makes a good point. What do you think, Coop? I think that I finally found that Destruction album I was talking about. <laughs> 1998's The Least Successful Human Cannonball. It's it, an interesting like title. The logo is in like really boring font that just says Destruction, and it's got a guy standing in, with his head in a uh, wooden cannon, except it looks like it's a toy. Pretty, pretty bad, huh? <laughs> oh God, it is. It is like the Montezuma's Revenge of metal albums. Between that and uh, there was a Massacre album that was an absolute fucking dog that was released in '98. Uh, but uh, as for this album here, I mean, I could see defense. I could see some people defending it. I mean, there is definitely a reason why they did what they did. I just really feel like it was a lame attempt and a bad choice. But well, yeah, Pantera. I think, I think we would be remiss then without mentioning what Pantera released in the 90s. Um, there was Cowboys from Hell, which was their, you know, their departure from the power metal scene into you know, what we know them as. That was 1990. Yes. Vulgar display of power went like 
double platinum in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, platinum Australia and then gold in Canada and the U.K. That was 1992, and that's the album that really like projected uh, Pantera into uh, the high, higher echelons of metal fandom. But it was far beyond Driven in 1994 that made them basically a household name. So I mean, to 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 go off of this guy's point. If you're anthrax and you're watching, you know, your relativity fall uh, as the 80s turned into the 90s, and up comes Pantera, who releases three increasingly angry, uh, um, amazing, popular albums in over a, in a four-year span, 1990, 1992, 1994, I mean, I can, I can see where they would start to you know, try to mold themselves into this sort of vein. By the way, the Great Southern Trend Kill still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That was 1996. Yeah, and, and continuing my streak of albums that made me not want to live on this planet anymore. <laughs> um, all right. Moving on. Uh, <clears throat> we are down to the last two songs here. And boy, is this last one a doozy. Uh, this is number 10. This is a tester. John, <laughs> Coop, Tester, Track Ten. Because I'm, I'm running low here on energy. Uh, this uh, song really tested my patience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was. I mean, this song wasn't really all that offensive in any way to my ears. It wasn't great. Uh, Really a waste of time. I uh, would say it kind of contributes to this album ending on kind of a low note, but this album has more low notes than an all-bass uh, acapella group. So, yeah, uh, just mm. just you wait. Once we hit the next track, uh, <laughs> ooh, that's really gonna that's really gonna be the uh, 
that's really going to be the uh, break slam that uh, ruined the underwear. Oof. Well, right. you know. That was a new one. I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> this, the, reading the lyrics to this song, I'm trying to determine whether this is a, you know, whether this is a song about some guy who's, you know, talking to some girl and, and pretty much saying, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the guy you want to be with. This other guy, he's going to be a jerk. You're going to love him and leave him within a day. Or this is a song that supposedly uh, is talking about how original Anthrax is. Okay. Now, the, I, may, I may be stretching it here, but when you look at it that way, that he's trying to say, you know, let me go ahead and read. He, he, test your new model and see. Test your new model against the original. I'm the man you want to be, so test your new model, and once again, you fail me. Um, but it, it, it just seems like what they're trying to say is, hey, we're anthrax. We're, we're the originality here. You, you you guys don't want to go anywhere else because this is this is where it's at. This is the originality. We're anthrax. Okay. Now, what even makes this that much more hilarious is when you look at it that way, and then let's play this next fucking song and just see how original these motherfuckers are. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, before I die here, <clears throat> this is our last track of the night. This is track 11. This is better.
everything you imagined to send this album off into the Ugh. great annals of Anthrax history. So I've said a couple of times now on this show, like my state of mind and what I thought about music back in 1995. And I wasn't the uh, cool, collected, uh, full of wisdom, middle-aged man that I am today. I was a (laughs) young punk. I was a young punk full of pits and vinegar. I was mad at the world. I was mad at the world, and I'm pretty sure this album didn't help. (laughs) (laughs) That's really all I have to say. I mean, I think we talked a lot about context, where this album came from. I forgive them, but this album is... This will be the last time I listen to this album. (laughs) There's no going back. (laughs) Go ahead, Uh, Joe. I I would say... Oh, no, I'm just sitting there making fun of you when you say middle-aged man, uh, because there's going to be someday I'm going to be a middle-aged man if I make it that long, and some young fucker is going to be like, <laughs> stupid old fuck. So, anywho, uh, I would say that this song here is about as original as Pete's brother, Repeat. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm, already, I'm already halfway to middle-aged man with my jokes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, you, you're fucking there, man. If you're just basing it off of the dad jokes that you drop on this piece. Oh, dude, I am, I am like hot fucking spitting hot fire with my dad jokes. <laughs> no fucking doubt. Yeah, I am. Oh, Jesus, I'm like the floor. I'm lava. Thing. <laughs> Sorry, I'm tickled at that one. Uh, anywho. <laughs> Yeah, this this last track here, uh, I see what they were doing. Uh, it did not work. Uh, very much like the least successful Human Cannonball. Uh, <laughs> overall, this song is just an indication of this album and the metal scene, the mainstream metal scene in the U.S. at this time. Toothless, uh, lost, really had no direction and no hope because, sure, Metallica did it, but Metallica is different. I mean, yeah, Metallica is the band. And then you get, like, Megadeth, which is, like, 1B. And beyond that, it's, like, nothing. It's, like, Alice in Chains and Pantera, and that's it. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's sad, really. Uh, overall, final score on this one, uh, 1 out of 5. Just, yeah, just 1 star, which that was only because, like, I could at least, there's context to this. I see why they did it. It makes sense for the time in terms of being in a big record and trying to stay afloat. Artistically, I fully disagree with what they were doing, but Scott Ian has a wonderful beard. and uh, He does. is such a man, he could do his own spoken word tour, and I cannot. So <laughs> I think he won the end. <laughs> Uh, okay, final thoughts on uh, Well, this song right here you, you, you could obviously probably figure out What I thought of it there before we even hit the track um, Just feels Like I don't know, just does not go With what I believe Anthrax Has, you know, come To this earth for This <laughs> is not what I was used to So it's kind of a shock to hear something like this End it, now, again this is 2016. We're 21 years outside of when this dropped. 
we did look at the bands and some of the great albums that were released those the year and in the year before. So I can't do it much other than echo what you guys have already said. You know, this is a band that was struggling to find its place. Uh, they're they're trying to get, you know, trying to get a foothold in. I want to see some Metallica money. You know, let's bring that shit over here. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure that's what they felt like. So it's it's uh, they took a swing and missed with this album. That's that's about all there is to it. Uh, they tried to do what they could to try and gain some fans. It's just so far from originality and and what they what they were they started out as. It's it's unfortunate. So as for a turkey, gobble gobble, eat it up, folks. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, let me let me go ahead since you guys gave it a rating. Um, yeah, I. This is like a maybe a three out of out of ten. If I were to give it a letter grade, um, it's a it's a D. I mean, you know, I mean, look, I, I can't give it an F. It's not like they don't know how to play their instruments. They they just on this album they they just didn't play them very originally. And it felt, that felt very forced. A lot of it was very samey. Um, yeah, and, and, it, it, and it doesn't hold up. I mean, like, like some of these albums you listen to, and it's like, oh, they were they were ahead of their time. This is like the opposite problem. It not only wasn't relevant when it came out, but it also doesn't hold up. Like, I don't, I can't listen to it now and think to myself. You know, this was kind of shit when when it came out at the time. But to listen to it back now, and okay, it holds up. You know, it's it's pretty good. Nope, it's fucking horrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's just unforgivable. Nope. I'm going to. uh, I I will go ahead and say it's unlistenable. (laughs) Where's he at? We need that. We need that soundbite. We really do. I should upload that. Unlistenable. <laughs> and so with that it's said, safe. I have reached the end of our rope here, as it were. Um, net, <clears throat> yesterday, just because of the odd schedule, uh, we did our third installment of the Harry Potter series. Uh, we've had uh, Sean Dick's girlfriend on Alexa Pena, who's our Harry Potter expert. So um, go ahead, and she's been, she's really brought a lot of good stuff to the podcast. Go ahead and check that out. I uh, we did some election night coverage uh, Tuesday, last Tuesday, and then I got sick the next day. It wasn't because Trump got elected. It was you know it was because I stayed up too late and then I had to get up for work the next day. So, and then, there you went. You went ahead and spoiled it. Now nobody knows what's. Now everybody knows what's going to happen at the end of your YouTube uh, live. There, way to go. <laughs> Trump became president. Um, <laughs> so we uh, we decided first. We decided not to review Opeth. We ended up Cooper ended up deciding that we were going to do Dark Throne instead, and then I just called out sick. <laughs> New podcast for me. So you can go back and listen to that at Metal Hammer of Doom episode. Just the Cooper and uh, Jesse without me, which is fine. Um, tomorrow, the, the reason why we had to move around some shows 
because I'll be going to the movies to see uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which we'll be reviewing the following Tuesday on Damn You Hollywood. Uh, and as I said, the next two shows, and this is why we didn't, we did a Thanksgiving show tonight, not next week. Uh, Metallica's Hardwired to Self Destruct comes out this Friday. Um, it's a double album, so we're going to break that into two shows. Do the first album on the 23rd, the day before Thanksgiving. Homecoming night, as it were. Uh, hopefully it doesn't mess with your guys' plans too much. You know, I know you're, uh, you guys are into the, uh, the homecoming, right? You know? Gonna go out of the bars and drink the night before? Is that that's, that's Oh, playing? yeah, we're party animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, and then we'll finish up with the second album of Hardwired to Self-Destruct on uh, November 30th. So that's what we got going on right now. There was also a quick change of the schedule in December. Originally, we had set uh, the year-end spectacular for the 20. 20- the 21st, um, but then I uh, got in that uh, <laughs> Oakley Doakley, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the Ned Flanders inspired band actually has their uh, debut album, Howdly Doodly, uh, uh, it's been released, and I couldn't let the year pass without reviewing this album, so I rearranged the calendar slightly, um, we're going to review... Oakley Doakley's Howdly Doodly <laughs> on December 21st. And that's going to move our year-end spectacular to the 28th. So uh, we're, we're going out with a bang here on the Rattle and Broadcasting Network. It's going to be a busy week. We'll have um, Danny Hollywood with Sean on to review Assassin's Creed. We'll have our year-end spectacular. And then Danny Hollywood again with uh, our 2016 year review. I'm going to revisit all the times this year I wanted to not be on this planet with people because of the constant <laughs> nonsense. Oh, um, but uh, before all of that, we're also going to review Helmet Built to Last and the new uh, Super Joint caught up, caught up in the gears of application. So I've gotten some really good stuff here. Uh, going into next year, I have a, you know, a couple of things on the calendar, not a whole lot. Um, just because we don't know what's going to be released just yet. They've talked, to, there's been a couple of things, but not a lot. Um, I know at some point we were penciling in um, a show that Jesse and I talked about. Uh, actually, Cooper and I talked about it as well. It was something that we're going to get to eventually. Uh, instead of doing a retrospective in January while we wait for things to come out, uh, on the uh, on the 18th, and this might be our first show of the year, I haven't decided yet, but um, if it is, we're going to be starting off with a bang. It's going to be clutch, as I'm calling it, deep cuts, B-sides, and cover. Uh, I put together a playlist, Jesse's going to put together a playlist, and then from that playlist, Robert Cooper is going to select the songs that we're going to play on the show. Is that That's how we decided we we're going to do this, right? Uh <laughs> Not exactly. Uh, more along the lines of we're going. Me and you are going to pick some songs, and then we're going to. I think we each get three, maybe four. I can't remember. And then we give uh, we give Coop a list of ones that we would want to play. He has to listen to them and pick the ones he likes the best. So we get okay. four piece, and then he gets to pick four. So yeah, there you go. You get four choices from me, four choices from Jesse, and then four choices from Cooper based on the ones we nominated. Uh, there you um, go. 
So that show is scheduled for Wednesday, January 18th, uh, 2017. It may or may not be our first show of the year. Um, and I think uh, the only other thing I've penciled in at this point is uh, on, Febu- on February 14th, um, uh, Marilyn Manson's releasing Say 10. We will be reviewing it on February 22nd. So, um, oh, I, I, that, that was the other reason why I wanted to talk about this. Uh, one album I know is going to be released in the same month. Steel Panther, Lower the Bar, is for release February 24th. We are scheduled to review it on March 1st. So oh, I'm boy. looking forward to that. So we I got Jessica. I hope, I, hope. <laughs> I hope we get a uh, sequel to She's on the Rag. Oh, we can only hope. <laughs> <laughs> what is it going to be called, Coop? Menopause. Oh, boy. Real quick, I well, right now I can tell you I'm just looking at what's already set for release. They've updated the calendar. Uh, in February, there's new Overkill coming out, so you can expect that's going to be on Ooh. the uh, calendar. January, right now, the only thing that's that's been released is on the 13th. Blood Feast, Grave Digger, and Sepultura all have new albums coming out. On the 20th, One Human, and on the 27th, Creator, Stephen Piercy, and Zandria. Any of those jump out at you, Coop? Anything you want to do there? I mean, plenty of them. Uh, Creator, of course. Uh, <laughs> all right, that was a given. Creator, that's a good one. Uh, Sepultura, there's another one. There's, there's a few of them that kind of stuck out to me, but if we were going to do one, definitely Creator. Um, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and say no on the Sepultura, because um, that comes out on the 13th, but I'm, you know what, tell you what, I'll go, I'll change, <clears throat> I'll change my mind on that. Uh, let's go ahead and move Clutch back a week, move this over here, and we'll do, um, we'll do the Sepultura record on the 18th, and then, um, Uh, on February 1st, we can review Sounds good to me. This, this, first, this first quarter uh, is going to be a ton of shit I've never listened to. A lot of bands I've never listened to. Uh, I, well, you guys know my experience with Sepultura. So, I'm, you said one of them was called Creator. Never heard of it, right? With a K, uh, yeah. Never heard of them. Uh, Overkill, I've heard of them. Seen a couple shirts. Never listened to anything. I can't wait. Hopefully there'll be a Lordy in there that I really love, like something like Lordy. I'll be like, holy shit, these guys are awesome. (laughs) There's some good stuff. Some good stuff. I look forward to it. All right, creator gods of gods of violence. That's the album that's coming out January 27th is what it's scheduled for. So. I'll go ahead and put that on the calendar right now. All right, while I'm doing all this, Jesse, go ahead and do your plugs. Okay. Uh, folks, give the Rattle and Broadcasting Network Facebook page a like to stay up on top of all the great podcasts that we have to offer. Myself, 
I do a show here on the Radalich and Broadcasting Network called Source Material, where we discuss a lot of uh, – we, we basically discuss comic book stories, some of the good ones and some of the bad ones. Uh, most recently, did a did one-off interview with Benjamin J. Cologne and split that up into three nice bite-sized interviews that are all airing this week. Uh, this most recent episode was Monday, and where we talked about Benjamin J. Cologne going to New York Comic Con as an exhibitor and all the great stuff that he got to see, including the cosplay and and some of the some of the stuff that uh, he ran into up there. Uh, this tomorrow. Uh, will be the second part of the interview where me and him talk about his encounters with Stan the Man Lee. Uh, it's, we say encounters. It was more like him standing in a line and trying to stay alive. That's a lot of fun. Um, and then the, four, the third part is where me and uh, Benjamin talk about the passing of preacher artist Steve Dillon. Uh, and his kind of do a little bit of a list where I hop on there and we look at a few of uh, some panels, some of the great pages that Steve Dillon did. And I got Benjamin J. Cologne's input on Steve Dillon's uh, influence on uh, on himself, of which he, he he attributes a lot to Preacher uh, and Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon's work on there. So check it out. Real easy episodes to, like I said, maybe 30 minutes long at most. So check it out. That's what we got on the agenda right now for source material. And that is, if you want to check me out on Screaming Boy, that should be, we should have something up this coming Saturday, I think. Um, so kind of watch for that. And uh, that is about it. Cool. I assume that means that. Cool. Uh, Sentai Rider Podcast, uh, S-E-N-T-A-I-R-I-D-E-R Podcast. Find us on Facebook. Have we done anything in two years? No. Can we? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I want to do something. I've got time off. My co-host has currently just moved uh, apartments and all that, so it's a little wonky for him. We'll figure something out. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, we keep getting fans, and I don't know why. Uh, there's this podcast, of course. And then, finally, T, t- uh, uh, what was it? Oh, shit. Fuck. <laughs> Give me a second. WTMnet.com. Oh, <laughs> no, not Tijuana, no, I'm nuts. Uh, WTMnet.com. <laughs> my buddy Sean Garner. His stuff. Uh, lots of good wrestling, video game, uh, sports podcasts. Yeah. Love the guy. Nicest guy in the world. He hosts our shit. I'm at the door, so I'm going to go now. But yeah, plugs. That's it. Alrighty. Um, I've pretty much done my plugs here. Um, look, my voice is going out, so thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We enjoyed the show. Sorry for the sound issues, whatever they were. Uh, we'll see you next week for uh, Metallica. Until then, be well, be safe, and behave.